Florida Matters is supported by WUSF members just like you. Your donation of $5 or $25 will help ensure public radio thrives. And thanks to Candy Olson, an additional $50 will be added to your donation. Visit WUSF.org match to maximize your gift today. Welcome to Florida Matters More, the podcast for Florida Matters, WUSF public media's show about the issues and events that Floridians care about. I'm Robin Sussingham, host of Florida Matters. You can hear Florida Matters Tuesday evenings at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 7.30 on WUSF 89.7 or streaming on WUSFnews.org. This week on Florida Matters, a conversation with the candidates for Florida's Commissioner of Agriculture and Consumer Services. This is a powerful position in the state. It's a cabinet-level post. Besides overseeing the important industry of agriculture in Florida, the commissioner oversees gun permits, inspects gas pumps, handles consumer complaints, and a lot more. The candidate spoke with WLRN Public Media in Miami and the editorial page editors of the Miami Herald, the South Florida Sun Sentinel, and the Palm Beach Post. Nancy Ancrum, editorial page editor of the Miami Herald, starts us off. We hear first from Homestead Mayor Jeff Porter, then Roy David Walker, president of the South Florida Audubon Society, and Nikki Freed, a Fort Lauderdale lobbyist. These are all Democratic candidates for Ag Commissioner. You would be a member of the governor's cabinet. You would also make up the clemency board. Though the though Amendment 4 might make this issue moot for you, but can you tell us um, your your stance on the restoration of felons' rights, Mr. Porter? I certainly agree with rights restorations uh, you know, because, I mean, obviously anybody can make a mistake. And if you, if you pay, your, pay your debt, you should be given your rights back. And uh, so, automatically. Automatically. Yeah. I, I, I mean, there's no the – if you've, if you've sentenced to a year, it's not a sentence for life. You know, so I think that certainly um, I, I hope Amendment 4 passes. Um, but as a, as a clemency board member, yeah, you, you would I, I would I would say you definitely want to give people their rights back and let them get them back into society as quick as possible. I, I have a hmm, the Amendment 4. Now, I really do hope it passes. I truly believe that when someone served their times, and then they are released, they should have the rights reinstated right then. As a past public defender, I saw firsthand uh, the injustice again in the criminal justice system. And I have been talking about restoration of rights um, for, for years. And the fact that the Supreme Court has said that our process is unconstitutional, and yet our cabinet continuously is following um, appeals and going through the process. And the fact that uh, CFO Patronus um, had uh, questioned uh, some of the individuals in front of them a couple weeks ago um, and started asking them questions that have absolutely nothing to do with their rest restoration of rights um, is deplorable that these are elected officials asking these types of questions. We spend over $400 million a year not restoring these individuals' rights. If you've served your time, then you have an, then you automatically should be restored your, your rights. And the fact that if a criminal justice system has said you have served your time, you have been re- rehabilitated, then that is it's the will of, of the, the justice system. Mm-hmm. On the consumer issue, why is the do not call list so 
difficult to enforce? And why do we still have people scamming um, reading our credit cards at gas stations? Mr. Walker. Yes, the do not call list. And well, it's a program that they are that's regulating the consumers, not the corporations. Now, I believe that this program should be re reversed and put the corporations on the list so that the department can hold them accountable. And by doing that, that means they will have to come to Florida and open up a office so that they can be held accountable. So that so that one comes to the do not call list. Now, fraud, of course, has been number one uh, within the past within the current administration, and they do get this information mainly at the gas pumps. Now, technology has advanced over the years. It used to be when you insert your credit card, it was there at the reader. So you used to always jiggle before inserting your credit card to make sure there's no attachment. However, technology has advanced and actually they're now putting devices inside the gas pumps mm -hmm. so, it's the, the, so that they transfer the data remotely. Now, ish, um, excuse me, to fix that problem, one way to solve that is inserting the chip for your, on, your, on your credit card. They do that in Europe and other places. When you insert that chip, that means your card has to be there and then they won't collect that data. Now, also with the device inside the machine, now one way to do that is to make sure that the, the, uh, the pump is actually secure. And that can be as simple as putting a security label on the side of that pump, a seal, so that the consumers can know if, someone's, if it's been opened, it would be cracked. Mr. Porter? Well, I think the technology is 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 lacking. You know, there are security efforts that um, there are security aspects that are being incorporated that are protecting the credit cards better than they are at the gas pump. They're still using the uh, the uh, the swipe process. Um, you know, the, the the do not call. They're just they're just not enforcing. There's 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 I don't know what to do. I really don't know what to do. It's really it's about enforcement that this is this is bigger than just, you know, mechanics and technology, you know, down in South Florida, there is actually um, a different a cartel that is running the, the scams. And so a lot of this comes into the consumers. There is an entire legal department um, and investigation department inside of the Consumer Services Agency. And that's just not been used um, to come down and work with law enforcement and trying to break up the cartel ring that has been controlling South Florida on the on the fraud of the gas station pumps. So you start going after criminal activity and start kind of breaking that down at the gas station pumps and the same thing with the, the do not call list it's called enforcement it's called um, you know getting in there and actually prosecuting and sending those information those individuals who are violating this over to um, the attorney general for prosecution purposes so this is a, a leadership issue and that has just not been addressed and being proactive to fix this it is not a simple fix but it is something that needs to be a, a robust uh, program in order to take these individuals down who are committing this fraud against the consumers that was Nikki Freed. We also heard from Jeff Porter and Roy David Walker, the three Democrats competing for their party's nomination to run for Florida's Commissioner of Agriculture. Support for Florida Matters More comes from the National Foundation for Transplants. Right now, hundreds of Tampa residents need an organ transplant they can't afford. You can join the National Foundation for Transplants Operation Second Chance at transplants.org to learn how to help give someone a second chance at life. 
The panel also interviewed Republican candidates State Senator Denise Grimsley and State Representative Matt Caldwell. The other two Republicans in the race, retired Army Colonel Mike McAllister and former State Representative Baxter Troutman, were unable to come to the scheduled interview. Nancy Ancrum of the Miami Herald asked the candidates about their stance on restoring voting rights to convicted felons. Uh, Mr. Caldwell. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, here is my standard. If I was in charge of this today, if you were a nonviolent first-time offender, you finished your sentence, you finished your probation, then you should go on the list for uh, rights restoration, and uh, on a regular basis for the for the however you know monthly or quarterly cabinet meetings, and the cabinet officials uh, should have to proactively give a reason to pull your name off of the list. Right now, the, the, the whole process is arbitrary, as the court did say, and um, takes such a long time. Sure. What kind of time frame would you put on what you've outlined? I think as soon as someone finishes their probation at the next meeting, uh, their name should be on the list for restoration and uh, consideration by the cabinet. And I think it would become uh, a fairly straightforward process. Now, why should someone who, e- even though a violent f- offender or uh, a multiple offender, who has paid his or her debt to society and jumped through all the hoops in terms of uh, punishment, why should that person now still have to make a case? Well, I think a multiple offender is an, is an easy answer. You know, the, the theory of uh, incarceration is not only restitution but rehabilitation. And so um, uh, either we are failing to correctly rehabilitate the individual or they are failing to embrace that rehabilitation. In either case, um, the, the exercise of their full civil rights is something I think they need to explain directly to the cabinet. Ms. Grimsley. So violent, let me start with the violent offenders and we'll get that off the table. I, I don't support any automatic restoration for them and I think there's a process. Now I do think that the process that we currently use is broken and there's a backlog and we have to figure that piece out. I also think that if there it is a violent offense, the victim needs to be involved in that process, whatever that process winds up being. But the nonviolent offenders, you know, if you have, I think you do need criteria. I mean, I think if you have somebody who's a repeated or repetitive offender that is dealing in drugs and some other things that are potentially dangerous to the community, it, it needs to go through the process and we can, they, they'll go through, they'll be automatically restored unless we pull them off for some reason. But, you know, the, the things like the white collar crimes and things, I don't have a problem at all with automatic restoration of that. On the consumer services side of the job, what are you going to do to enforce the do not call list? So here's what happens. There's something called the North American Numbering Plan that if that number is not on that plan, then the carriers know that that's an illegal call coming in. Mm-hmm. Usually it's using the, it's the local number, which is not on the plan, and you answer it because you think it's somebody local calling. And what I found out was that the carriers did not have the legal authority to block those calls. So I just passed a piece of legislation that went into effect July 1st that gives them the authority to block them. So I talked to AT&T last week, and I said, you know, how long is it going to take to implement this? And he said, give us about six months. But but I can already tell you, because this Elizabeth kept calling me four times a day. She's gone. She's not calling me anymore. <laughs> so she was one of those robocallers that was coming from overseas. And that was my interest of getting involved in it. But, you know, I'm here in Miami, and I'm talking to all the seniors. I mean, they, they get all these scam calls. So he said, give it six months. But in the meantime, if you're still if you're getting a call that you know is is not a legitimate, you know it's an illegal call, please call your carrier and go ahead and give them that number and they can preemptively go in and block it. But as commissioner, I think I ought to be out in all of the 
communities talking about those kinds of things. That was Denise Grimsley and Matt Caldwell, two of the Republicans running for their party's nomination to be the next Agriculture Commissioner of Florida. The candidates spoke with WLRN Public Media in Miami and the editorial page editors of the Miami Herald, the South Florida Sun Sentinel, and the Palm Beach Post. Thank you for joining us. And listen to Florida Matters on the radio Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 7.30 on WUSF 89.7, online at WUSFnews.org. I'm Robin Sussingham. Come back next week for another episode of Florida Matters More and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher.